The following is a fourth-hand production. Then he had a... It's lights out! Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eye. That's it. I've had it with this dump! We've got no food, we've got no jobs. Our pet's heads are falling off! I'll start. My name is Rod, and I like to park. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to the Have You Seen This Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Spencer, and with me is my good friend and co-host, Ethan Wilson. What up? And on this show, we recommend a movie that the other one hasn't seen, we watch it in the week, and then we discuss it here. This this week we watched 1987's The Untouchables, directed by Brian De Palma. The main cast is Kevin Costner, Charles Martin Smith, Andy Garcia, Robert De Niro, Sean Connery, and many more. And it's set during the 1930s, well, 1930, during the Prohibition era of America, and Kevin Costner's character is a Bureau of Prohibition agent who is doing his best to take down Al Capone and his um, bootlegging empire in Chicago back in the 1930s. All right. So before before the, we move on, I just want to say Robert Nanuro is my favorite actor in Scarface. Well, you should think so because Robert Nanuro is <laughs> also in what the Meet the Fockers movies. With He's not actually in Scarface. That's Al Pacino. Oh, okay. You're just trolling person. me. I've not seen Scarface, so... Oh, bro. Which is also, fun fact, not even a fun fact, that's also directed by Brian De Palma. It was just earlier in the 80s. So, anyways, it's actually... This, actually, this movie is actually based on a true story because it was based off the book and the TV series. Well, the TV series is based off the book that was written by... Elliot Ness, who is played by Kevin Costner. And he was a, you know, prohibition agent and was a part of taking down Al Capone's empire via tax evasion, the whole tax evasion thing. Okay, I mean, yeah, imagine, all the imagine a world where a crime boss could actually go to jail for tax evasion. No, oh my gosh, I know. This does not hold up in 2020 or 2021. <laughs> We just had the, you know, New Year yesterday, or today, whatever. Anyways, I first saw this movie when I was probably like between 19, 21, between that age range. Maybe younger, I can't remember. But I saw it back in the day when I was younger. So when it came out in theaters? Yeah, when it came out in theaters, I was there with my best friend, uh, Casey. Shout out to Casey again, because we're going back on all of my favorite movies that from the era. I'm just rambling all over the place all right um but I, i've always liked this movie uh just because I, I really like the cast you know sean connery's a, you know always a great actor robert De, robert de niro robert de niro and uh this is andy garcia's first like major film that he did and uh he was in one of the godfather movies as well so and then kevin costner is obviously this is another this is actually a big one for him too like he We'll, we'll talk about this later, but there was a whole huge list of other people 
that were considered and were approached to do this movie and Brian De Palma did not initially want to do Kevin Costner because he's like, he doesn't know any, he's unknown. Okay. Did you like this movie? What'd you think of it? Yeah. I mean, it is a, it's a gangster movie. Mm -hmm. I'm not normally super into gangster movies. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously there's like the Godfather and Goodfellas. Yeah. And like, like Scarface, things like that. These drug dealing, gun running type gangster movies. I like. I've seen the first Godfather, but I've never seen anything. I've heard the Godfather Two is even better than Godfather. Um, Your guess is as good as mine. And you know, I've never seen. That. I've seen Scarface a couple of times. It's very long and very boring in some parts. But I mean, yeah, this movie was fine. I kind of once I read the description, kind of felt like I knew what it was going to be about. Yeah. And like like I just knew what was gonna happen. Even with like the suspenseful parts. Like you could just you could just you just had this inkling that there was characters that would be picked off throughout the movie like they were. Oh, like yeah. it wasn't like the big suspenseful moments where the two of the untouchables died, you know. Yeah. They weren't I was not caught off guard by that. But I mean overall it was a it was a entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. There are some problems with it that we'll get into later. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it was fine. I, yeah, okay. Uh, I didn't hate watching it. It could have been a little shorter, probably. Yeah. But this is back in the day where, you know, they just they made a movie to be as long as it ended up being. Rather than just, you know, keeping it a tight, you know, 90 minutes. Yeah. And, I, I mean, yeah, I just didn't need as much with his family, probably. Yeah. Because when we get into stuff later, he was like married three times and had one kid that they adopted. So he oh. didn't have like a married kid, yeah, like married his, his parent personal life. life. Yeah, so like I could have done less, less. And that that part really teched me out of it because um, the lady, and I've seen her in other things, but she seemed a lot older than him. Yeah. So I don't know. It was kind of weird. Um, The only thing I could think of is like, they they gave, kind of gave him a, a wife and a kid, um, to make him a little bit more relatable, and so he had so he had more at risk and more at stake yeah, the to lose, which is yeah, what I which is why they probably did that, and um, because even I don't know if you'll touch on this in the the uh, the fun facts, but like Capone didn't actually try to kill him ever. Because he figured he figured killing a federal agent would bring way more heat than he needed. He was just trying yeah. to buy him off. But yeah, we'll talk about that more later. No, I wasn't gonna touch on that because it's untouchable. Oh, okay. It's untouchable. <laughs> Got him. Well, time to end the show. See you, everybody. <laughs> burr, burr, I'm just burr, burr, burr. <laughs> All right. Well, we can just kind of get right into the the dislikes if you want. I mean, okay. Well, number one was that. Kevin Costner's wife was seemed way older than him. Oh yeah, and I don't know what they're. I mean, he just looks very young in this movie. Yeah, I don't know how old he was, I but don't she either. seems I like check. she's like in her forties, and he's like in his early thirties, maybe. Yeah, it's quite possible. Um, it just didn't feel like, it just didn't feel like a husband and wife relationship. The that thing, and it probably because Elliot Ness really didn't have that like a like a dedicated marriage um, yeah. through most of his life so who knows uh-huh that was my first yeah that was my first problem 
But yeah, my first dislike or just minor problem is that the very first scene where they reveal Al Capone and he's being, you know, he's getting shaved, a shoe shine and all that. He's getting his fingernails done. And like the barber, he like gets, he like gets frustrated at the barber for like cutting him. It's like, you weren't even sitting still, man. It's like, yeah, you were that, just trying to moved. get cut. I he's knew, just moving I, a I bunch. Noticed that, I noticed that too because he's just talking to these reporters. And he's just like, you cut and me? What? I, I didn't. I had, I mean, this could have been totally clear. I kind of watched this late yesterday. It uh-huh. could have been totally clear in the movie. Is he the? Is he a mayor? No, of Chicago. What is, no. is he? Just, he's just a big crime boss. Yeah, he's a big crime boss. Basically, felt, the mayor and his. Like those, it felt like those reporters were saying like he was the mayor or something. I I wasn't following like so, exactly what he was. It makes more sense when you kind of read into the actual like the history of that era of gangland Chicago. Because he basically was the mayor was actually vocally supportive of Al Capone in that at that time. Like yeah. they were friends, like they you know, they were helping each other out. Like he was basically just a big crime boss that actually was the mayor and let Capone basically do whatever he wanted. Okay. So okay. that and that's kinda why they, they kind of asked that question, like, Oh yeah, are you actually the mayor? And you know, because okay. the mayor is, is basically letting him run the city for the most part. That makes sense. And then uh, I was just like, poor kid, first victim of the movie. Yeah. Oh, that was something I put in my favorite parts. Oh, my gosh. Child death in the first seven minutes of the movie. It's crazy. That's just a crazy way to start your movie. I know, right? It just sets the tone (laughs) of just like, because it just shows that, I mean, the whole scene is them shaking down that, you know, the that plate that that store yeah, that bar like the it's like a i mean it's like a bar but it's prohibition era yeah so they don't actually have alcohol mm-hmm. but yeah i mean uh it's a bold move i just appreciate i mean it's just not sugarcoating it at all they're trying yeah. to they're trying to show how vicious these gangsters were back then yeah and that's just a very visceral way to do that yeah like the gang the gangster even the guy leaving saw the kid in there didn't even care yeah so like he has no remorse so I skipped way ahead. Okay. So we can just fill in because I like, like I said, I watched this pretty late yesterday. Okay. Um, the, the next thing that I that really took me out of it was okay that raid scene with the Mounties. So not yeah. so much the Canadian people or anything, or even the raid itself. Yeah. When it is Elliot Ness and that gangster guy in the house. Yeah. And he shoots the guy with the shotgun. Elliot yeah. Ness does kills him. And then just like screams like, "What is this a game?" Like, he wasn't expecting to have to kill somebody. I just like, what did you expect could happen at this raid that you're doing of these, of this illegal alcohol with these gangsters that roll up with Tommy guns with, um, the, I don't even know what they're called, like the barrel clips or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's just like what did you, I mean? What did you expect to happen as this federal agent that's going after illegal products? Yeah, I think he was just really hoping he didn't have to do that, especially when he gave the guy a chance to put the gun down. Like, I'm pretty sure like he got his own hopes. I was like, oh, I hope I don't have to shoot somebody. Yeah, you know? and I I get it, but I mean, it's just like he was totally caught off guard that he was, yeah. that he was gonna might have to kill somebody yeah. at this raid. All right, and for me, I'm gonna backtrack all the way back. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, kind of before the first, or right after that first fake raid, the one that was obviously botched. The when he gets back to the station, the lady was basically just sitting there mocking him straight to his face. I'm just like, oh, poor guy, <laughs> you know. First, 
you know, he was misled by by his informant or whatever, gave him the, a bad tip or whatever, and then embarrassed him. Yeah, all this, the stuff with the police department, it all really reminded me of, like, The Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, especially, like, the part where later on where the he sends his kids off his kid and wife off with that police officer i was totally i was totally expecting like when uh rachel is taken away by the cop Mm -hmm. and then handed off to um moroni's men like that type of a twist where she doesn't actually get to where she's going it just was very i mean that's what this type of stuff is what Batman was based off of, or Gotham yeah. City was based off of, Chicago and New York and organized crime and stuff. So it was just, yep. it was just, it was just like a Batman movie with no Batman, mm-hmm. which is and cool. I thought a weird thing was after their first successful raid, when they, you know, formed the Untouchables, like the squad, you know, they go into the post office, you know, and go into the back room, and then they get done and. Kevin Costner's character slaps the newspaper onto the window and he's like right next to the door. Like he could, he could have just walked in and said, Hey, look at the headline, but they had to have him slap it against the window and be like, look at what we got. But it's just like, you could just walk into the open door right there. Cause he does it right after that anyway. And, and they he, were already putting the, putting the headline on the cork board in the office. Yeah. And he already walked from that direction. So it actually took him longer to walk past the door slightly slap the newspaper on the window, take it, you know, put, you know, hold it and then walk into the office. Like what was the goal for that? It just seemed like he did it just to show the action of him slapping the newspaper on the, on the glass, which I was just like, okay, Sean Connery, when he spoiler gets killed. Yeah. Taking like 50 rounds from that Tommy Tommy gun gun. and then living for like another 45 minutes. Yeah, I know. Right. I was just, I even mentioned that. I'm just like, he gets shot a ton and has the strength to just kind of sit there and still help him out. It's like find uh, a bookkeeper. I'm like, that doesn't seem very realistic, but it's, it's a cool like scene. at the end of National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation where that old guy keeps coming back from the heart attack saying, yeah. won. I won the money. I won, I won, I won. It's mine, I won. And then he dies. And then they go to grab the ticket. He's like, I won, I won the money. Just... <laughs> that was so funny. And then, um, back to the bridge raid most of those dudes with the like the tommy guns and what didn't hit anybody mounties weren't no even shooting i do i noticed that too the mounties riding straight at the yeah there's like and, and it's just like nothing happened to them <laughs> and like the people didn't start dying until the untouchables got to the bridge although it took them an arguably way too long to ride those horses you know 100 meters but yeah and then funny. and then um Andy Garcia gets shot immediately, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that was really a problem or whatever. That was just that he was a cocky yeah, uh, guy straight out of like the, the boot camp police or whatever, academy. police academy. And he immediately gets hired into this federal officers group. And, but then that's what sends uh, Wallace into just uh, a crazy rage rampage and just, you know, yeah. Kills a bunch of the, which he and... remind he keeps remind, he reminded me a lot of the, the, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Nazi that gets his face melted at the end. Yeah, he kind of looks like him, doesn't he? Yeah, he reminds me a lot. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know if this is much of a much of a problem, but I found myself in this movie 
being f- like firmly in Al Capone's corner about the prohibition stuff, like moving out, like moving alcohol and stuff. It's a stupid thing to make ban, I guess. Um, yeah. I feel the same way with about most drugs. I don't think, I think, you know, they should be decriminalized. Yeah. Um, the government just, I just don't think the government should have any say of what like people should do or not do. Oh with, yeah. Like, drinks and things. And, um, and that's pretty much why they also repeal that, you know, prohibition. And, yeah. The prohibition. I mean, it was, it's the prohibition caused all the violence. If there was yeah. never the prohibition, then all the violence and. Oh, exactly. And, you know, illegal money moving around and all this stuff would have never happened. Yeah. So it's just a thing, you know, where people, if you tell people they can't have it, they're going to want it even more, Mm -hmm. especially something like liquor that was legal before and then was banned. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just, you know, and I, and I, and I get why you're on this, you know, you've kind of found yourself on Capone's side through all that. Now I I must say, pay your taxes, dudes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Pay, pay your taxes, taxes man. <laughs> but because even at the end of the movie, he's just like, "Oh, what are you gonna do?" And that they're saying they're gonna repeal prohibition. He's like, "Have a drink." And I wrote down in um, my fun facts. I said the tragic irony of Elliot Ness is that after prohibition, we, he was repealed. He became a really heavy drinker. Yeah. So it's just like, for him, it was the legality of it. Really, kind of kept him afloat for for the most part but then yeah or, you know kept him away from it but then as soon as it was repealed you know he just went straight to the drink yeah um uh, and then the, the last problem that i had then you can just rattle off the rest of yeah. these oh yeah I've got um, five more. was that al capone speaks like a certain guy in the media these days that i'm not going to mention on our podcast but <laughs> if you pay attention to anything you know who i'm talking about oh yeah it's just hilarious the way, like, just some of the... I mean, we can easily make... How does this relate to, you know, the current year? <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of relations you could say. There's There was one specific part where he was... It was when they were asking him about the subpoena or whatever. Yeah. And he's just basically on the stairs saying it's fake news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did find that hilarious. Um I, and then okay for mine I wrote no one in their right mind would go confront Capone alone although Ness was not entirely in his right mind he is lucky he wasn't killed right there yeah and that is only one of the two times in the movie he is face to face with him anyways then I wrote in the scene where they are panning across Malone's windows like right before he dies you can totally see the camera rig and the reflection yeah I noticed like in that almost too. every single window yeah, I like that. Sh- I like that POV shot though. That was yeah, cool. Cool idea. My, I wrote. However, I do really like how the camera was that character in the scene. Yeah. Like the only times that it, it turns away from the character and becomes, an, like, uh, well, the Sean Connery character for a moment is when he sees like the guy with the knife and then he you it's know just chases belligerently him racist to him because he's Italian. I wrote, all those people in the train station won't help the lady. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that whole scene, that whole scene was just, I don't know, it annoyed me more than anything. And, I mean, and there's something else now that I think of it. In that scene, that also, when he sees, okay, so the guy comes in or whatever, he's uh-huh. got his one hand on his his, his shotgun under his trench coat. Yeah. He's got the other hand on the baby. 
and he lets the baby go and he holds that shotgun out like it's a pistol and pulls yeah. the trigger. That thing no. with that thing that, slapping that gun, him in the that face. That gun is not staying in his hand. Okay, right? so that's gonna that would fly out of his hands completely. Okay. Yeah, that's a twelve gauge shotgun. He would have to have a pretty great grip. Uh, yeah, I I was curious about that myself, but like I we said in previous episodes, I don't have a lot of experience with guns. Yeah, in my experience with a shotgun, it would be very hard to hang on to a twelve gauge. Okay. Short barrel shotgun like okay. that. Okay. <clears throat> um, I could be wrong. Li- Elliot Ness could have been like a superhuman. I don't know. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't give him that kind of characterization, so we have no reason to think otherwise. So maybe he is. Um, for my last dislike slash problem or whatever, I wrote the bailiff does not skip a beat when telling Elliot to take the gun right after he gets shot. He's like, ah, quick, take this <laughs> or here, take this, and it's just like, what? How's that your thought process? Quick, take my gun. See you later. Go get him. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. That was probably. One of the last few things I was just like, ugh, come on. That's weird. Yeah, and in these types of movies, especially in like running shootouts and stuff, mm-hmm. I always like to count bullets. Especially yeah. when they're carrying like a revolver. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't remember, but Elliot was getting pretty close to oh, six. Yeah. I think um, Yeah, he was probably almost he's probably on his last one by that. The shot uh, the shotgun in the shotgun in the the train station was it seemed like it was a lot for a shotgun i think they hold four or five yeah um and he killed like eight people yeah they just did those sneaky reloads that you just don't see (laughs) yeah but oh and as far as like that train station thing the reason why that that scene was so weird and weirdly timed the day they were filming that um they were just kind of making up the scenes as they were going because they were originally wanted to shoot and have an uh, in a train car shootout. Yeah, I read that, Not, and that yeah. you, Paramount said no because it was too expensive. Yeah, for a, to get a to get a train of the period. Yeah, to film in. Well, that um, does it for me for all my problems or whatever. Yeah. So the next uh, category is favorite parts and lines. Yeah. I've got quite a bit. Um, the first favorite part I had was immediate. The freaking song coming into this movie uh-huh. was just getting me jazzed, dude. It was yeah. it was a great, it was a great like mix between like um, and they did it a lot like this ominous, like really scary sounding song, yeah. but it's like mixed with like big band jazz type of stuff. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. I really liked the intro song and then like the. Um, when he, uh, the when Al Capone is smashing that guy's head with that baseball bat. Yeah. They do the they do that ominous kind of. I mean, it's like a horror movie. Yeah. It's really great. I really liked the the score in this movie. Speaking of that scene, I'll just interject. I said, "Oh man, he ruined their dinner with all that blood." Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you never know. People are into that stuff, especially rich yeah. people. Yeah. Just an uh, extra extra flavor. My very first uh, favorite part, I wrote Wardrobe by Giorgio Armani. Yeah. A kind word in a gun is better than just a kind word. Yeah. I really like Al Capone in this movie. Hey, man. man. He had some good (laughs) one-liners. I'm going to say that's that's not bad. Robert De Niro is almost unrecognizable. Yeah. Al Capone. At first, I didn't think it was like I knew I read that he was in it, but at first, I didn't think it's like Tom Cruise and Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. He, but and 
I mean, I think he did a really good job, most because I've never seen any video footage of how the way Al Capone was. But I mean, hey man, he sold it for me. So. Yeah, I mean, it is a pretty straightforward way to play it. Yeah. Organized crime gangster. I haven't watched any Al Capone stuff either. I thought it was interesting that the way they reveal the two leads in the movie are not immediate. Like, you know, they do like the, the top down zoom in when you see Robert De Niro laying down there with a towel on his face and then it gets revealed that it's him. Then when they establish uh, Ness, you, you don't see the front of his face at first. You see like kind of like the behind side profile of his face. And then yeah. in the next scene is when you see him. And it's just like, I thought it was interesting that they did that for both of them. Yeah. Um, I already said uh, there was a child death within seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty intense way to set the tone of your movie. Oh, yeah. Um, even in the 1920s, this is my favorite, 1920s, 30s, this is one of my favorite parts, then police were rolling around in modified military vehicles. Yeah. Because they have that thing with the giant wedge on the front of it the battering they go made like some, the battering ram yeah thing. glad to go it's good to see things never change man yeah it looked like it was kind of a it might have been used for as a snow plow yeah potentially but no it was it was probably 100 percent just sat in a shed when it wasn't being used to take people's <laughs> alcohol that's probably true it was no it was just a normal milk truck and they they paid a guy to uh, a military weapons um, contractor to outfit it with the latest tech of the day so they could knock down walls and steal whiskey. That's what it was, Jake. Yeah. So I love it when he meets Malone, Sean Connery's character. And mm-hmm. then he said, you know, he just totally believes him about his job because the way he, why he has the gun. Basically summing up and saying that his Sean Connery was saying his job is stupid. Because no one would try to cover or lie and would make up, oh, yeah, I work for the Treasury Department. Nobody cares. Who? Then he's just like, all right, good good lie. See ya. You know, it's like <laughs> nobody's going to lie about that job. The scene with the lady um, that was the mother of the, the girl that, that died in the explosion, mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of in Jaws um, when they catch that tiger shark and they're yeah. all celebrating on the dock and mrs kittner comes up to brody and mm. pretty much blames him for the death of her son because the the she said that there was a girl killed here the other day and you let people swim anyways even though you knew it and that her boy was dead because of that it was pretty much the same scene except it was the opposite with the lady was very um, appreciative of him going after Al Capone and this al- this alcohol and stuff. It just reminded me a lot of that scene with with Alex Kittner's mom in Jaws. I really liked it. I felt she was mocking him because you know the umbrella. The, you know it was all over the papers that you know he he did that raid for the umbrellas because it looked like she was like trying to hold back laughter, but I couldn't tell if, it, if she was trying to laugh or. Like hold back tears. Yeah, I took it, it as she was crying with like appreciative, like no one yeah. takes this serious because Al Capone runs Chicago. I'd say she was probably the most confusing thing about this movie for me. I still am not sure, but 
Because at first I wrote down, I'm not sure if the lady was mocking him or being sincere, but I wasn't. I didn't write that down because I wasn't sure if that was just my interpretation of it. So I yeah. still don't know. But yeah, it seemed like it could seem like it was it was either. But then he he wants to take him down and quotes with any and all legal means at my disposal, and then just immediately dismisses the income tax thing. Yeah. And then yeah. Wallace was just slowly was, trying yeah, to convince him of it. He was ignoring him about the income tax evasion the whole time. I feel like he thought he was being pranked because they sent an IRS agent. <laughs> he walks out of the office, he's just like, uh, why is an accountant here? But why is he afraid? Why was he, like, against the accountant? He works for the, the Treasury Department. Well, I mean... I don't think it was that he was against the IRS. I think it was probably that he didn't want to take Al Capone down for tax evasion because yeah. it's kind of lame. He wanted yeah. to take him down because he he stopped him. He caught him with alcohol, but that was never, ever going to happen. And yeah. Elliot Ness starts to figure that out as the movie goes on. Like, this guy's never in the same room as the money that he's making everything that he gets is being filtered through different avenues before it gets to him uh-huh. yeah that makes sense but i was just i just thought it was funny that he just immediately was just like nah we're not gonna do that <laughs> i said that the guy that tries to bribe ness in his office was like a bill Hader snl character oh that could that could easily happen that's yeah. a good yeah he just he like reminded a- me of just just bill Hader that whole time he was talking to that guy <laughs> and apparently in in the real story like they were gonna give him like a thousand dollars a week or something like that to yeah, that's a just, lot of money yeah especially in the 30s and then i really like that long rotating shot around the table uh, where they're all kind of celebrating yeah for their first raid i like that yeah. scene a lot and they use that. They use that scene twice. They use that with the with the baseball bat speech. That yes, was kind of panning. So yeah. it's just kind of like a parallel shot with the gangsters and the good guys. Yeah. Um, I said Sean Connery is really funny in this movie. He's just um horribly racist. Yeah. To, Anybody that's not Italian or, or Irish, he's an yeah. Irish person in this movie. Yeah. Um, even to Garcia, Andy Garcia's character. Oh, yeah. And it's it's intentional, but, like, imagining a grisly old beat cop going up to a guy right out of police <laughs> academy and just saying racist stuff to him to see what he does nowadays uh, would would be would go over like a lead balloon. Um, yeah, I know, right? And then to go on with Sean Connery, um, when he was shot, I mean, they they tried to get an ambulance to show up and they, they couldn't. I mean, all they needed to do was to pour water on his wounds from the Holy Grail. That's uh, Yeah, that's all they needed And they would have healed right back up. Just can't believe they didn't think of that. I mean, He's he been, probably he, had it he with got, him. He got, shot, he got shot in, what was that, the 40s? By an, yeah. a, a Nazi, and they just poured the holy water on his on his wound, and he was fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, missed opportunities. And I did like he did say the line um, when when they do the bridge, the bridge mission thing, uh, and the the Mounties pull the trigger 
too soon, then he just goes, what the hell? You got to die of something. Just implying that they were dying of boredom. (laughs) So they're just like, let's go anyway. (laughs) Uh, And then the last one that I had, and this is not a problem. This is absolutely 100% one of my favorite parts of the movie. I laughed at this part so hard. Um, So they got the scene where it's in the train station. Everyone's Ah. dead except for Ness. Andy Garcia's character, and then the bookkeeper and the yeah. other gangster. Yeah. Kevin Costner's got the gun on him. Andy Garcia's got the gun on him. And he says, you got him. And Andy Garcia says, I got him. And he says, uh, take him. And he shoots him in the head. It. He, <laughs> when he shoots him in the head, he like fades away like Prince in that yeah. Dave Chappelle sketch. <laughs> like he just... Uh, Ooh, uh. just fades out of screen. <laughs> it oh, was just man. the most wonderful death. I thought it was so funny. I know. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, since that was your, your, you said that was your last one. Yes. All right. I've got a few more. I'm just gonna fly through them real quick. Um, the accountant, after he shoots that, or he, you know, he takes down that last guy on the bridge heist thing. He just takes a little drink of like the whiskey or something or like the beer yeah that's there thought that was funny malone when he's getting the that other bookkeeper to flip and he shoots the already dead guy yeah and i'm just like oh my gosh and the the canadian was like i don't enjoy i don't agree with your methods and kevin connor says well you're not from chicago you're not from chicago let's see there's another one yeah, at least Wallace went out feeling like a badass when he dies. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, thought he was really cool and like, you know what? He's an accounting nerd, got to feel like a hero. You know, that's not a bad way to go. You know, yeah, yeah. as far as you know, get going out on, on top the, in a way. Get hung up, hung up on the coat rack, and your body defiled to write untouchables on the elevator. But you know what I mean, though. Like, <laughs> I didn't mean the actual way he was <laughs> killed and left there, but I mean like. The moments preceding it, you know, he probably was, you know, feeling really good about himself. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, he felt, um, you know, he felt really good. He got drugged behind the car with a rope after he died. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the train station scene got kind of intense because it was just because of how long it just took for things to happen. Yeah, and, and th- again, they were doing that. They they did something weird with the sound. It was like the baby lullaby because the yeah. the baby in the the carriage. Yeah. And the mom. Let's see. Um, in the in the courtroom scene, the uh, the bookkeeper says one in a court or one in a third million was given to Capone, mm-hmm. at least in, according to the movie, which would translate to around twenty to twenty one million today, according to an inflation calculator website I visited. Just I know. thought I would just. I checked. Online. Just thought I would check that out. <laughs> I checked online. Um, the scaffold on the roof was the luckiest thing ever. Yeah. Because he definitely didn't mean to do that. Yeah. And, that, I mean, yeah, that whole chase scene, I don't know. It was kind of meh to me. I didn't, it didn't, yeah. the, the, him pushing him off the, the roof. Uh, was cool, and then when I made, I, I Andy made a joke Garcia, about that scene. Andy Garcia says, "Where's so and so?" He says, "He's in, in the, the car. car." Yeah, I made a joke myself. I said, "Ness, that's not how we do things here at the valet station." <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's like you're supposed to bring them to the car, not put them in the car from the roof. Anyways. And then my last one was he gives Malone's St. Jude thing to Stone. Cool move. Yeah. Yeah, because he says, he says Malone would have wanted you to have this. He said, no, Malone would have wanted it to go to a cop. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good I, – yeah, I liked that part too. Yeah. And so that's the end of my favorite parts and lines scenes. So we're just going to take a quick moment to hear some other ads for other fourth-hand network podcasts. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the waste vessel, the Black Swirl. It's ongoing mission to explore strange news stories, to seek out new laughs and new absurdity, to boldly go where no sci-fi podcast has gone before. Welcome to Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. A very Brady podcast. Join host Tack Van Sickle and his guest each week as they hilariously dissect the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch, one episode at a time. He was so creepy, though. Like I was like, he's like, I guarantee you, if they could have really done the show the way they want to do it, like he was going to have a cup to the door listening in that night. (laughs) A look back at a simpler time where everything was groovy. So her kids almost wrecked their marriage. Her employee shames her and she like thanks both of them. It's awesome. So grab your potato sack and head out to the backyard for some fun. She's in her own room. Like, what did we like, tell what? her about sleeping? <laughs> like they went and got the entire family for dad to pick her up and put her in her bed two feet away from the desk. And obviously before they did that, they also said, family, go get your bathrobes. Everyone needs to be in a bathrobe. A Very Brady Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are available. They have some compromising pictures of Alice that they could have used uh, to blackmail her and keep her there. Um, I've seen those pictures, and Alice is hotter than you think. I'm going to just put that out there and say it. Uh, that blue dress doesn't do justice? Uh, no, it does. For, for me, that blue dress does everything. Far out. Poor You're man, a bad man, Tack. You're a bad human. There's a lot of weird in this show. And we are back with the show. All right. Where, what are we doing next here? Uh, would you recommend to a friend? I would. I mean, I like this movie. It's, you know, pretty good watch. You know, it's it's very interesting. It's cool to see Sean Connery, and I believe it's the only role that he won an, an award for for a specific role uh-huh. or something like that, like a, like a supporting, not as like, you know, like usually, you know, he's, de- you know, he's very decorated and, you know, a lot of his movies won stuff, but I think, from whatever, this is the only one where he won it for a specific part that he did instead of the overall project. Yeah. Um, I said no. Uh, I don't have many friends that would like this, I don't think. Like, um, obviously there's you, um, but I know just immediate friends like our friend Matt and Jacob yeah. and them. I just don't think they would be super into period gangster piece movies. Yeah. That doesn't take away from the fact that it was a good movie. I liked yeah. watching it. Um, it's just not one that I would recommend to the group of friends that I have. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, my, you know, it's something that I would recommend to my dad. 
he's seen it. He told me that, oh, it's a good movie when I said that we were doing an episode on it. Um, so, no, I probably wouldn't recommend it. If someone was saying, hey, you know any good gangster movies? Sure. Yeah. yeah I'll probably, Most people I'd would probably, recommend, like, I would probably recommend or... the, yeah, the big, the heavy hitters, and then yeah. this would be like a B, a B selection. But, and, and in its defense, this was also directed by the same guy who directed, I believe, Scarface. Yeah. And then the next category is, does it hold up in 2021? Um, overall, no, because Prohibition's been repealed for a long, long time. Uh-huh. And... I mean, most of the stuff that happens in this wouldn't happen in the way they would today. But, I mean, there is a line that doesn't hold up either. If we're going to enforce the law, we must first do by example. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That Um, doesn't work. I said yes, but because organized crime is so normalized now. Yeah, exactly. It's just that aspect of this. these these families anymore it's just at a national level and i'm not gonna get into it but organized crime is alive and well today in our society yeah i I mostly wrote down that quote as a joke too just because i'm just like a it's a good Um, one rewatchability jake uh i probably wouldn't rewatch it a ton but maybe you know every decade maybe or if somebody else wants to watch it i don't know uh i said it's rewatchable for me it's a one and done but i see the appeal of someone like this being someone's favorite movie yeah i'll probably never watch it again that's okay it's a good movie there's a lot of movies that i've probably seen multiple times that most people aren't gonna ever watch once like hereditary i've seen hereditary a few times and to a lot of people that's a we might not make it all the way through the first watch type of a movie yeah um so i get it yeah um so fun facts um yes so go ahead and hit me with one go ahead start um well, I'll just say the one earlier that I stopped. Robert De Niro tracked down Al Capone's original tailors and had them make identical clothing for the movie. I and thought up, that was so up cool. To, up to and including silk underwear. He yeah. Insisted that he wear silk underwear because Al Capone did. Yeah, and like I read those, they're just like, "Why would you want to do that?" He's just like, "I want to." <laughs> He's a method actor. I thought it was hilarious. So Elliot Ness was in kind of the cleveland area of ohio in the later stages of his life or at some point later and the great lakes brewing company in cleveland named a beer after him but that's because like he helped out somebody who was real like like some some lady who was like the mom of the founder of the brewing company so that they they named it in honor of him you know but it's just hilarious that you know his younger days he was a prohibition agent and then has a beer named after him to this and day his later in life he was a crippling alcoholic yeah i know it's <laughs> it's actually a tragic ending <laughs> and like i like i even saw some fun facts like saying like in real life that money probably would have helped him because he basically died at 54 years old like flat broke yeah yeah but it's like um, you know, 
Um, let's see. Despite the final courtroom scene in this movie, the real Al Capone and Elliot Ness never came face to face during their time against each other. Yeah, that's that is interesting. And that, you know, it goes on the point before, like you know, Capone didn't actually try to kill them because he didn't want to kill federal agents, because that would have that would have been made his job way more difficult. You got another one, Jake? Um. The actual guy that the IRS agent Wallace was based on was not actually ever killed during this whole thing in real life. That's the last one I had that I didn't previously say. Robert De Niro didn't have much time to gain extra weight for this role, so that so he had to wear pads and pillows to get the desired effect of the chunkier Al Capone. Ah, that's um, smart. The baby carriage at the train station was the stunt. The baby in the train's carriage at the train station was the stunt coordinator's son. <laughs> Getting him in the family business early. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that just now, too. That's hilarious. Uh, one point about Al Capone's trial that never showed up in the movie. He attempted to plea bargain before the trial, but the judge wouldn't hear it. And then, obviously, he did attempt to bribe the jury, and the judge swapped the juries. That was real. Yeah. Yeah, that did actually happen. Except he didn't have to, like, blackmail the judge into doing it. Yeah. Sir Sean Connery turned up to shoot in his golf clothes. Um, They did a close open, and Sean was dismissed for the day. He came back after a full day of golf, acted for five minutes, and went home. Andy Garcia and Charles Martin Smith grabbed him after the scene and said, That was very clever of you. You just got back from golf. Turn up for five minutes, do your scene, and that's it. And Connery turned to them and said, This is not my first barbecue. <laughs> I could just totally hear him saying that too. Like just the way he says it. <laughs> Say that to your mother, Trebek. Um, <laughs> uh, when Al Capone's men are trying to smuggle the bookkeeper out of town, they're going to put him on board a train to Miami where the real Al Capone earned, owned a luxurious mansion. Hmm. I remember in the 80s, I think, they did a special of, like, opening Al Capone's vault or something, and it was just nothing was in there. It was, like, a big live TV event, and it flopped real bad because it was just empty. That's hilarious. (laughs) That's what they get for glorifying capitalist gangsters in America. Um, That's too funny. Sean Connery's only Oscar nomination and win came from this film. Oh, so this is oh the Oscar, okay. Uh-huh. Only yeah, Oscar. That's the scene where Al Capone shouts, I want his family dead, was sampled by Tupac Shakur in his song Death Around the Corner from his 1994 album Me Against the World. Hmm. I uh, didn't know that. Despite the Oscar win for this movie, there was some amount of criticism directed at Sean Connery for playing an Irish-American cop <laughs> while using his native Scottish, Scottish accent. accent. And yeah, that that was something I noticed immediately. I'm like, he's oh yeah, he's doing it. I mean, he's just not. He's like um, when um, Gerard Butler tries to act with an American accent, uh-huh. or like in 300 when he's King Leonidas, this Greek Spartan, and he still just sounds Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, man. That's hilarious. By being killed at home and not on a ship, Malone ironically fulfilled his first rule of law enforcement. Yep. 
He made it home without getting killed, but then got killed in the home. Yep. So that's all the fun facts that I have, Jake. Cool. And then I think we can move on to potential castings because there was a lot of them. Yeah, I didn't even write down all of them. I um, did. <laughs> so for Capone, you had Marlon Brando. Who turned down two weeks of work for $5 million. That's just Marlon Brando, man. I know. He's, he's just like. He was a weirdo. Um, yeah. He was a he was a weirdo. They got him to come to agree to come act on Apocalypse Now. And he's in that movie for five, ten minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. not very long at all. He's a like a title character. And I guess he was just the hardest person to work with. Yeah. Um, Nick Cage was was in talks to be casted as a young Al Capone. Oh yeah, that would have been like as great. a like a prequel that they would make later. Yeah, and then Bob Hoskins <laughs> from he, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Mario Bros. Yeah, but his is a little bit different. So initially, they didn't hear back from Robert De Niro. So they had cast Bob Hoskins as like, you know, his stand as a standby, like while they were waiting for Robert De Niro just to confirm or, you know, turn it down. But they still paid. They gave him a, a, a fat check just for saying yes and then not actually doing it. Yeah. Which was just hilarious. And then I, I think I saw a quote that says like, hey, you could pay me to, to you could pay. You could have paid to not put me in another movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just in these next ones, like like I wrote down their most famous project they worked on, uh-huh. just so I could uh, for this case people listening don't know who they are. Obviously, yeah. Jeff Bridges, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's known mostly for people our age for the Big Lebowski. Yeah, he's the dude. Tron. He was for people my age. Yeah, Tron. Um, <laughs> he also is in that True Grit remake. I don't know if he would have been better. I don't really, I mean, I like The Big Lebowski, but True Grit's kind of boring. Yeah. For being a, a, it's a remake. Um, Yeah. Don Johnson, who was Miami Vice. Yep. um, The original Miami Vice. Do you want me to read through all the people who were considered for Elliot Ness? Because I have, I wrote down all of them. Yeah, just fill in the the ones that I, because I got for like five more. Okay. Uh, Gene Hackman. Okay. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, Jack Nicholson. No thanks, Jack Nicholson as a federal agent. I don't want to see him in this movie as a federal yeah, I agent. I don't know if that would have worked. No. Um, William Hurt, who plays like Secretary of State Ross from the Avengers and, yep. and stuff. Um, Tommy Lee Jones. That that, that kind of would have been funny. His most famous role is Two Face in Batman Forever. That's not his most famous role. Yeah, I would have been like, that's a good joke. <laughs> That was that was the first movie I have seen him in, but you ball up your fist, you cock back your elbow, you and step. Yep. <laughs> I did. Uh, I don't want you more. Me, don't forget about me. <laughs> and then Harrison Ford as Han, or not as Han Solo. He was Han Solo, and and like I didn't have to write down him, but everyone yeah. knows who. But it was just like a funny joke 
he plays his his biggest work as Han Solo. Plus, he's a grumpy old man that talks so much crap on Star Wars. I just wanted to say he's most famously known for being Han Solo. Yeah. You grumpy old man. Of those guys that I read off, um, I don't really know. If it, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones has played, like, police roles before. Oh, yeah. I think he's in The Fugitive. That's the one where the guy jumps out of the water, the water pipe. I think, I don't remember who it is, if it's... That's... That is um, Harrison and, Ford. And he says, I don't care. Um, yeah, cause it, so it's the Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones movie. Yeah, and then right? again, Harrison, so. Ford, Harrison Ford's played cops and agents yep. and things. Um, Don Johnson was a policeman in Miami Vice, a detective. So, I mean, they all probably could have done it. Jack Nicholson, I don't think, would have pulled it off at all. Yeah. So William and, Hurt plays the secretary. He already plays the government agent and the the Avengers yeah. in Civil War, so he could do it, I guess. He, apparently he couldn't just because he was busy, according to what I read. Well, I'm, I'm just talking about, yeah. like, like doing the part and being yeah. able to pull it off. Mickey Rourke was on there. And then here's some of the other ones. Alec Baldwin, Nick Cage. Uh-huh. Yes, he was also considered for the Elliot Ness of the, uh, before the prequel. Michael Douglas, Ed Harris, Michael Keaton, Mel Gibson, Christopher Lambert, Stephen Lang, John Malkovich, Ron Perlman, Kurt Russell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, John Travolta, Bruce Willis, James Woods, Tom Berenger, and Nick Nolte. Those are all the various people were considered for Elliot Ness above um, um, Kevin Costner. Get me Arnold Schwarzenegger as in this movie. <laughs> this is supposed to be a dude, just this American treasury officer. I'm going to arrest Al Capone for a tax evasion. Get me, <laughs> get me, get me him in this movie, please. That would have been great. Yeah, two people with like wrong accents playing just you know <laughs> good old American. Well, Al Capone, you're coming with me. I'll be, I'll be back. <laughs> and that, that, the hotel scene. I'll be back. He turns around and walks out of the thing. Yep. So those oh. are all the different castings that I could find. Don't yeah, know if it would be much better. Yeah, I didn't have any more. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think the casting was fine in this movie. Yeah. I think uh, if they remade it, Bill Hader should be the bribe. Oh, uh, yeah, the alderman. Yeah, but other than that, I don't have anything else. And where can we be found? On socials, you can find us at on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Twitter, we are seen this have you. On Instagram, we are HYST Podcast. And on Facebook, we're HYST Podcast. Yeah. Uh, my personal Twitter is Ethan Tyler Wilson. No E and Tyler. And same on Instagram. And I'm at J-A-E-K-S-P-E-N-C-E-R on both Instagram and Twitter. And you can also find us and other great shows again on the 4th Hand Podcast Network. Um, go check them out. It's just fourthhand.com. Go to the shows tab. There's plenty on there. Yeah. Um, and then until next time with the movie uh, that we are haven't decided on yet, I'm Ethan Wilson. And I'm Jake Spencer. Have a good week. And Happy New Year. Hey, everybody. Jake here. Next week, we're going to be watching The Big Red One from 1980, directed by Samuel Fuller.
been listening to a fourth hand joint.